You are listening to the podcast When Life Gives You Lemons, presented by me, Emma Levy. Having worked with elite athletes for most of my career, it's always intrigued me that a significant number of high-performing individuals have encountered some form of adversity earlier in their lifetime. My fascination into this grew when I had my own brush with adversity. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer in May 2020, in the midst of the global pandemic at the age of only 36. During this period, I questioned whether it was my positive mindset or maybe something deeper, which enabled me to bounce back and to train and compete for a triathlon just one month following completion of all active cancer treatment. The goal of this podcast is to explore this concept further by meeting a variety of high-performing individuals who have experienced adversity, but who have come back stronger. Today I'm welcoming British artistic gymnast Becky Downey to the podcast. Becky is a double Olympian, multiple world, European and Commonwealth medalist. Becky's long and illustrious gymnastic career has had many highs and lows, and she has most recently peaked with an amazingly successful European Championships just this year, where she won a gold medal in the team event and an individual silver medal on bars. As you will hear, this was truly a remarkable comeback, from a few years filled with significant turmoil and unimaginable emotional and physical challenges. Becky, thank you for coming to talk to us today. I am really looking forward to hearing your story. Um, I know you are one of five siblings. Can you tell us how did you get into gymnastics in the first place? Yeah, um, just through my parents weren't particularly sporty. Uh, My dad always kind of played football and cricket, but gymnastics was not anything that kind of ran in our family and it was mainly just through a friend at school always doing like cartwheels and tricks in the playground and I apparently I just begged and begged my parents to take me and it stuck I guess. <laughs> How old were you when you started? I started when I was seven and now I'm 31 so it's been a very long journey. And what do you specialize in? Um, I'm best event as bars so that's kind of my priority apparatus and then beam is always kind of my secondary apparatus but since my injury over the past year um it's just been a process to kind of get beam back but it's exciting to see where hopefully we can take things over the next year or so now yeah and beam for anyone that doesn't know is that really narrow beam isn't it where you basically (laughs) flip over it like along it (laughs) yeah um it's pretty much i'm a size six foot and it's pretty much the size of my foot um i always feel like it's an advantage if you have slightly smaller feet because you just get a bit more room but um pros and cons I guess (laughs) wow I mean when I watch that I just can't believe people don't fall off it more often (laughs) I think it's just I don't know I guess lots of practice and it definitely is a really scary sport I think people think that when we kind of get to this top level like it's not really that scary and it's just all autopilot and I think by the time you get to a competition in some ways it's autopilot but it is scary majority of the time (laughs) yeah I work with the British divers um, and I had Matty Lee on the podcast um, a few weeks ago. And we also, we discussed how, you know, he's scared every day. Every time he <laughs> dives off that 10 meter board, they're scared. And I suppose it's the same with you guys, even though you do it all the time. It's so scary because you know the, the consequences of if it goes wrong. Yeah, there's some skills that are definitely easier that you can kind of do that. I feel like everyone has bits that they are comfortable with. Um, for me personally, like on a piece like beam, I don't like going backwards. Some gymnasts that doesn't really phase them, but that's something that's always like not sat very comfortably with me. Um, and I think bars is always quite a scary piece. Like I train over the foam pit most of the time. So the fear factor in training is quite low for me on bars. But then once you actually get to competition surfaces, then it does get scarier. <laughs> so what has been the highlights of your career so far? 
Um, really good question. I'd probably say still a big one was making my first ever Olympic team. Um, I think just being able to call yourself an Olympian is just such an honor that you can kind of carry for the rest of your life. And then next to that, I would say winning my first European title. Um, it took me seven years to kind of do it. And I think now just seeing the change in British gymnastics from when I started to kind of where we are now, like such a high performing program, I was kind of part of that generation that was kind of on that climb, I guess. So um, to kind of achieve that medal after so many years, um, that was a really special moment. And then probably my 2019 world silver medal, because I think that took me 10, 10 years or something crazy <laughs> like that. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a journey for sure. Yeah. And in my introduction, I, I did allude to the fact that you've had quite a challenging journey. Um, I imagine a particularly difficult time for you was around summer 2020 when you and Ellie, your sister, who was also a British gymnast, put out your joint statement into the abusive behaviour that you had both experienced within British gymnastics, sharing allegations of emotional abuse and weight shaming. Um, for the listeners that might not know, I'm, do you mind if I summarise the key points? Yeah, of course. Um, so you, you stated that within British gymnastics, there was abusive, that the abusive behaviour was so ingrained in your daily lives that it became totally normalised. You didn't realise how wrong it was and it's taken many years to realise it was wrong and to come to terms with it and that there was an environment of fear and mental abuse. Are you happy to go on and talk about this? Yeah, um, it's, still, it's still a challenging subject. I mean... Like I say, when you get into the sport of gymnastics, you are so young. And I think that's really where a lot of the problems started because you, are, you aren't mentally developed. You don't know any different. And you kind of are relying on those environments and the support teams, I guess, within there to kind of, I don't know, um, it just adds to your upbringing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just a space where you would like go to school and school would be normal and home would be normal. And for us, it was always just gymnastics. So you would never really expect to go to school and be upset or be in tears or same when you're at home. But when you got to the gym, everyone was crying most of the time. And I don't know whether it was because it was just physically so difficult sometimes. Um, it obviously is a really scary sport, but none of that was really communicated very well when you were little it was just kind of get on the apparatus you train hard and you compete kind of thing um and as I got older I think that's where the problem not necessarily problems I guess challenges came is when athletes were were getting older were getting voices and then were trying to challenge that system um I think that was probably one of the toughest points like probably late teens early 20s and like breaking that mold and challenging what coaches believed was but it was always a set way um and then trying to trying to create change and change that and I think to have everything finally come out I mean we knew it was only a matter of time um it was really crazy how it came out how it did and I guess through the lockdown with everybody being at home it kind of in some ways really did capture everyone's attention because it was such a big um case yeah. but so do you think I it think... was sparked by the documentary the athlete a documentary about um, american gymnastics do you think that kind of got into everyone's head and started to make you think about it yeah definitely i remember as soon as i actually watched that um there was a completely different side to that um with their larry nasa scandal but i think the underlying tones of that documentary of how overtrained the gymnasts were the weight shaming or so many things that I guess just really resonated with me and so many of my older teammates who we were kind of then all popping up to each other I mean like oh have you seen this like 
how did you feel about it and the fact that it just felt so relatable to so many of us like I guess that that's kind of where all the real the red flags were and I guess we knew it but to kind of have it actually out there to the world was quite crazy for us um and I remember doing a post quite early on just on my social media kind of just detailing how I felt about watching it and how I'd spoken to teammates and then I guess it did create that snowball effect for then people to just I guess find their voices and have the courage to really then speak and and then I guess act on it yeah and you and Ellie your sister am I right in saying you were the only two current squad members of British Gymnastics who spoke out yeah I think a lot of the girls at the time had retired so for me regardless of when I chose to retire and I think regardless of whether athlete A came out or not I was always going to speak and it was something that I couldn't really understand why a lot of retired gymnasts hadn't already done it um and I guess it is still that kind of culture of fear even though they had finished like so much you carry so much with you that stays with you for the rest of your life and I think once one person then was brave enough to do it I think it really did help that more people were then just sharing their experiences um so many just from different age ranges different different Olympic cycles um different sides of the sport like whether it was artistic or rhythmic or trampolining like it was quite quite scary how ingrained it was in so many places, but I definitely think it was needed. It was a hard period, but I think it was needed to yeah. create the change that we're seeing today. Were you scared to speak out? Honestly, at the time, not really. I mean, we were anxious to put out how we felt, um, but as soon as kind of it started to kind of hit TV and hit media here, it was just something that me and Ellie both felt we couldn't we had such big voices in gymnastics and we were like we can't just sit back and pretend like this hasn't all happened because it has happened and it's so real and the experiences mainly that we'd had we just didn't want anybody else to have to go through that again um and I think one of the things that I think for us going forwards was so difficult was I think a lot of people think we just did it kind of on a whim like we had so much thought that went into how we going to put it out what we actually wanted to say um we were really careful we didn't want to name any coaches publicly um because it is is really hard kind of emotionally for us like we've worked with a lot of those coaches we still had good relationships with some of them and even though I've had challenges with, with maybe a lot of the coaches um or coaches that I've worked with growing up I still I learned so much from them So, you know, it was already a huge change for us on our Olympic year. And I think there was a lot of miscommunication. The gym, the gymnast alliance did cause a lot of tension within the program. And yeah, it just, it just definitely didn't work in mine and Ellie's favor. (laughs) I mean, when I was researching before today and I was looking at that kind of Tokyo Olympic selection thing, am I right in saying that at the trials you placed first on bars and second on beam? Yeah, that was, <laughs> it was really hard to kind of understand the process behind it, I guess, because the team, I mean, it was typical um, <laughs> that the team happened to have gone from a five-person team to a four-person team. I think that's where a lot of the problems started for me. Right. And there was two different routes to qualify. Like you could qualify a team, so you'd get four athletes, then you could also qualify as an individual. Well, from the get-go, I never wanted to qualify as an individual. Um, and I don't think... I guess I don't think I fully understand understood the rules of like the whole route to the Olympics, like both sides. But I just knew I always wanted to be in the team. And those conversations were had bef- way before Gym Alliance, like with what I wanted to do. And everyone was very aware that I was 
that I would bring two pieces to the table. That was kind of my um, my thought process. And I guess as time kind of went on, didn't help, as I say, as our national coach kind of was then out the program, we had somebody new in and we had up and coming ones that I guess weren't necessarily um, big stars on the program for the when the games were a year supposed to be in 2020. And then it obviously changed 2021. There was a lot of changes that kind of happened. Um, and I just think a lot of lines were blurred, I guess. I mean, there was a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations that I had behind the scenes, um, which again, I've not I've not spoken about a lot of this still properly. Um, mm. And there's a lot that I will save until I've retired. But there's just a lot to me that didn't add up. Like conversations were had and the conversations were had that didn't then transpire. And I think that's why it was so difficult and so hurtful for me. And mm. um, as I say, a lot of it, it didn't feel like it was an accident. Um, yeah. And to make things even more challenging, your brother passed away the eve of the Olympic trials unexpectedly at the age of 24. Is that is that right? Yeah. So on top of all of that that's going on in the background with the selection process and um, the allegations that you'd made and being ostracised by national coaches, you then have that significant trauma. Where did you then find that strength to come back for those trials? Um, I mean, I think it was just such a shock. Initially, um, I knew I, I needed to just be home with my family for a few days. And then it was kind of like, for me, I'd worked too hard to not try and see this through. Like I felt like I was doing some of my best gymnastics. There was a lot of challenges I was, I was facing um, kind of within that year, but I just worked too hard to not try. And I also knew that um, my brother wouldn't want me to just not try because of that. So yeah, it was hard. I was back in the gym within three days, four mm. days. Um, and at first I was kind of like, I need to see if I actually can do this. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be when I get in the gym, like what my headspace would be like. Um, it wasn't long until it was then decided I could have another trial um, and kind of what the setup was around that. Um, that was a really challenging time. There was a lot of implications going into that, <laughs> which again, I've not spoke about a lot of that properly, but um, that's a story for another day. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just getting to those trials was was a lot. And I look back now and like I still don't really know how I did it. And there's a lot that I think I still carry now. Like I just pushed through so much. And for the space of at least a year, I think there was just so much that I I don't really know how I got through it all. I guess it was just on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And having that time now, I guess, just to sit back and process it and just try and make sense of it all really. Yeah. Um have you given yourself that time to grieve yet? Um, that's a good question. Um, in some ways, like, yeah and no. I think Josh is definitely like a subject that we don't kind of shy away from as a family. Like he's brought up a lot in conversation, like whenever we kind of do a family event or do things like he's always, he's always still with us. Um, but I've not really had a huge significant period of time off to kind of just not, not train, not do anything. But I think in some ways having that training has been allowed me, I guess, to be a bit of a distraction if that makes sense and kind of just continue some normality and yeah. um I think it definitely helped me as as well at times yeah and then you know you showed another moment of unbelievable resilience after those olympic trials when you were you you, you were told no um you plowed on and I imagine you were just beset by grief and absolute devastation but you trained through the summer um, to get to the world championships um, where unfortunately things didn't go 
for you how you wanted them to go and I've read that when it was over you said you felt just totally burnt out and you felt relief that it was all over can you tell us a bit about that yeah I think that was probably for so many different reasons one of the hardest competitions I'd ever got through um like the prep camp was really difficult um just trying to I guess train through the summer like there was I knew what my motivation was but I don't know now looking back whether I was it worth it I'm not sure um I think it gave me a lot of confidence to know that although I went there and I didn't make the final that I wanted to make um going through what I went through and I mean I didn't do my plan routine I changed my routine pretty much overnight just to try and simplify and stay on the bar just because I was so mentally burnt out I couldn't I was at a point where I couldn't have um actually made my routine and it was also at a point where if I even had made the final I highly likely would have pulled out of that final because I just I was so done um but I think to go there and know that I managed to still score what I scored not doing my best work going through everything I think that was probably the biggest thing I could take moving forwards was that like I actually am still good enough and it's all still in there and I think oh even over the past year that's something or the past couple years since I guess that point that was probably one of the biggest things for me was like am I still good enough and can I still do this because I felt so confused about my my gymnastics abilities really like from scores I was getting here throughout those trials to to me, it didn't feel like it was marrying up with some of the work that I was doing at times. Um, and it just, yeah, it confused me a lot. And I think just to know that I, it was still in there just gave me that confidence to be like, once you've actually had a bit of a rest and had time to reset, like, y- you'll be fine kind yeah. of thing. So it was actually probably quite a positive move then looking back for you to push yourself to get to those games. Yeah, it was definitely, it was hard, more than hard. Um <laughs> And I was like, once I'd finished out there, I mean, I think a lot of the team that know me well, I'm generally quite a chatty person. Um, I just removed myself from everyone. I didn't come out my room for about three days. I just needed time to just, I guess, just to process what on earth had happened to me that year. Um, It kind of sucks that I was in Japan and I couldn't just instantly leave. Um, But at the same time, I think everybody really understood where I was at and just respected that I needed time and space. And that I guess I had time off when I came home. When I came home, I had two to three weeks off, which in the grand scheme of things is still not maybe that long, but I made the decision then to switch gym clubs um, mm. and kind of then looked at everything from a completely different perspective, yeah. fresh start, started yeah. again. That's really good. And then what had happened as well is your statement, amongst other allegations of mistreatment, had prompted gymnastics, British gymnastics, to carry out an independent review into the system, hadn't it? And then the results of this white review were released in the summer of 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you feel reading the results of this report? Um, which, which basically said that there was problems within the system, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was very lengthy. I definitely didn't read the whole thing, but reading the majority of things, I was certain points that it was kind of like, it just... I guess it just validated everything that you've been trying to fight for so many years and it was actually like fully out there to everyone um and I think especially the parts about the weight um there was so so many years battling challenges like that like behind the scenes and like weight shaming stuff yeah and to be fair before the review had come out and before Gymnast Alliance happened we had actually stopped being weighed 
Um, it took a long time. We only stopped being weighed in 2018, I think it was. Um, maybe 2019, 2018 or 19. I can't remember which year it was. Um, but even then, like that's too late. <laughs> like it's it shouldn't have gone on how it did for so long. But um, there were already changes that were happening. It was just that I don't know. I guess the review has forced a lot more change and change that was, so, in my opinion, so desperately needed. And it is strange to be a part of it now where it has changed so much um and I think it's quite hard for me now to in some ways accept all the changes because of how I've seen things and how difficult they were to what they are now but I think for the next generation they won't know any different and hopefully all they're going to know is the positive side of it which is all we can ask for yeah and I'm I, I'm sure that you are integral in that change so well, well done <laughs> um <laughs> what specific positive changes have you noticed within the setup um I guess changes that I have been battling for for I don't know at least 10 years <laughs> um one of the big things was we're a team sport or but we're also individuals so it just gets really tricky and it's taken so long to kind of get through to coaches that everyone, as much as we are a team, we're an individual. And what works for one gymnast does not work for every single gymnast. And people are good at different events. People's bodies are different, have different injuries. And to adapt a training program, which kind of seems like common sense, you see it in a lot of sports, like sports science and medicine, there's so much research behind it all. It just wasn't being implemented in our programs. And that's probably one of the biggest changes now like people are actually being individualized and from much younger ages which is how it always should have been um so that's one big positive I think probably the biggest thing going forward and I think problems I'd seen from myself from Ellie like teammates I guess over the years was the weight thing um and I don't think coaches really understood how that stuck with a gymnast throughout the rest of their life um I don't believe they intentionally thought that they were all like, I don't think they were doing it to harm us potentially. Um, I think they did believe genuinely that they were doing it always to help, but I think the repercussions that it caused were like detrimental. And I think it really depends kind of like anything in life, like where, where you're at, what your mental state is like as to how much it can and can't affect you. Some kids are pretty robust and can just ignore bad comments and it doesn't phase them that much. And other kids, it can really, send them spiraling like in a bad way and I think kind of actually acknowledging that and um and not putting pressure on things as well um it's definitely going forward is going to be much better yeah so do you think some of that weight shaming did lead to some eating disorders down the line for some gymnasts yeah definitely I mean I saw it in some teammates um I saw how affected Ellie was massively by it and um I feel like Ellie's case was one of the main reasons why we stopped being weighed, um, which we had one of our pretty much top all around athletes that we'd ever had wanting to quit because of her weight. And it was just, it was ridiculous. And she was so unhappy at the time. I remember Ellie sat down to me and said that she didn't feel like she fit in in our sport anymore because most gymnasts were like tall and skinny or like smaller and more muscly. But Ellie was kind of both. She was tall, but she was really muscular. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like an instead of being like praised for it because I was saying to her like most people can't do the skills that you can do like your body allows you to do that she just felt like she was being penalized constantly for it because she was always being told she was too big um and when she kind of told me that she sat down to me and cried and 
I was like kind of like enough's enough and the team were I think only trying to help but she was getting it from so many people like she would go to do a strength and conditioning and our strength and conditioning person would be like oh how's your weight national coaches how's your weight personal coaches how's your weight physios were asking the same I'm like it's it's too much she's a, a young girl she doesn't need it and I remember speaking to um, some of the staff and they were like well what if she quits I said then she quits it's her career and it's her choice you know like you can't force this on her anymore and I did then at one point sit down and have a good conversation with one of the national coaches and explained and I think when they understood really how it had made her feel they were like that was never our intention and I said I'm not saying that it was but I'm just telling you this is what you've caused and at the time I can't remember how old Ellie was like 18 or something like that and like you've given her body confidence issues for life and that's terrible like she has an incredible physique just because she isn't your stereotypical gymnast doesn't mean that she hasn't got a great body um and that's when things really started to change like literally from that conversation we weren't anymore and I wasn't sure at first if some occasionally you go to camp and they just forget (laughs) so I wasn't sure like for the first few of like it was generally we actually aren't being weighed anymore but that change was pretty much instantly made um which was great and she was so much happier and I think even for me I was 26 at the time when we stopped being weighed like that's crazy to be weighed and be monitored for all of those years so then just to have that relief oh I'm not going to be weighed this morning (laughs) it's like so nice Has has it had an impact on you now with your eating do you think um there's yeah there's definitely things that stay with you like if I ever eat any bad food I always feel bad for eating it (laughs) um and I think because we were always brought up that we weren't allowed it um I've always been really mindful of carbs because they were pulled from our diet or when we were seen eating them we were told off a lot of the time um growing up so So you were training 30 hours a week as a kid (laughs) and not allowed to eat any carbs yeah it was crazy we we uh-huh. were we were always kind of encouraged at breakfast like cereal or toast or anything like that was not a bad thing but even when it came to like lunches and dinner like they wouldn't really want you to have sandwiches they would we always want you to have salad it was like salad and soup all the time mm. um I remember when I did my first commonwealth games and I was 14 one of the coaches there said that for dinner we could only have cereal or salad and I was out there for a month and I was like like looking back that's such poor education (laughs) like it's actually crazy um and I didn't really like I didn't really like salad at the time I was only 14 (laughs) so I was like well it's cereal then but that's just yeah like where's your recovery in that it just and again it was just I don't think they were doing it to to necessarily punish us I just think it was a massive lack of education but it was just so damaging at times oh my goodness I'm I'm just so pleased things have changed for the positive um, but sadly, Ellie, your sister did retire, didn't she, at the beginning of this year? And she's she's yeah. still quite young um, to retire. She, how old is she? Twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> how was that for you? Has that affected you since she's left the sport? Um, not really, because I think we've always had very different mindsets. And like for me, I had a big period of my career when Ellie wasn't really a part of it before. It's kind of strange now knowing that finishing it I always thought we'd finish it together or at least I'd finish and she'd maybe carry on but I'm just really proud of her for sticking to her guns and doing what was best for her because we've always been compared for so many years we're completely different people and she was just we've both been through a lot of challenges but she was just generally so unhappy and she's so much happier like it was definitely the right decision for her at the time um 
and like I've always said no amount of medals or money is worth your happiness and um I think it was a really tough decision for her it wasn't an easy one that she was like oh I'm just done with it now mm-hmm. um like there's a lot that comes off the back of it and I think she probably will always miss like being on the comp floor but at the same time she was suffering too much and it just wasn't worth it no and if she's happier now it's it was the right decision for her wasn't it yeah, absolutely. What stands out to me, Becky, is that you went to the 2008 Olympic Games and then sadly you missed out on the 2012 Games in London. But you then got back up and you got selected for the 2016 Games, Olympic Games in Rio. And then you missed out on the 2020 Games in Tokyo. And your gymnastics story definitely isn't a fairy tale. Um, but you seem to consistently just pick yourself up up and up again you know having just like we said had a very successful European Games and I haven't mentioned the fact that you had quite a significant injury in the months leading up to that so you're always you know you you just keep coming back (laughs) where do you get this motivation and this unbelievable drive from do you think I honestly just think it's natural um so many people always say to me like I don't know how you've done it and I can look back and I'm not really sure sometimes, but it's just, it's just in me. I think I naturally have a high pain threshold, which has definitely helped <laughs> in the sport. Um, and I just guess as I've got older as well, just being able to put things into perspective and just use my experience, I think, to my advantage. Like there's so much growing up. Like I wish I knew what I knew now, like 10 years ago. Like I always had the talent, but there was so much that I look back on that I know was wrong and I didn't really have, I guess a lot of say in a lot of it like I always trusted the people around me to know what was best for me and I guess it got to a point where probably especially after Rio where I was still questioning things but I just tried to in some ways just ignore what I was feeling and just go with what people were telling me a bit more and then when that still didn't work out I was like I know that I'm right or at least I'm right for what works for me and then that was a really big challenge of trying to get what I needed not not so much at home but when I then got into that those national environments and that was been something like I said I've been battling it like my whole career and to now it's really hard to kind of go into a space and people be like well what do you want and like it's, it's really I still find it really strange um but in the best way and I think it can only help and I think that's one of the reasons as well why you are seeing more success within the program because one the girls have been looking at being looked after better and um they're they're having choices yeah. <laughs> um ownership, you, ownership yeah. of your programs it's yeah and if it's coming from you and you want to do it and um you're going to be successful yeah so. so do you see yourself as a resilient person <laughs> yeah I think so <laughs> and and you said you think you've just got it so do you think you were born resilient or do you think that all the challenges that you've encountered along the way have made you made you more resilient um probably a bit of both I mean I in in some ways so much has happened it's been really difficult and challenging but I also know I wouldn't change any of that because long term I want to coach and what I've learned I think you could never teach um and I'm just really excited to hopefully one day pass that on um, so I wouldn't change any of it. Um, and I think it's kind of molded me into the person that I am and also hopefully the coach I'll be. Um, there's a lot that I track, like, I guess, trial and error that I learned for myself, but then also from 
when Ellie came up, I always tried to look at, well, I've made these mistakes. Like, I don't want her to make the same ones and try to always kind of advise and guide her as to what what really I felt didn't work. And I think that that did work for her. There was a lot that she kind of managed to escape, I guess, in, in those ways. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what I can then hope, what impact I guess I can hopefully have on uh, future athletes. Yeah, well, you definitely seem to love the sport, which I think is important. Um, and it sounds like you'll be you'll be a brilliant coach. Thank you. <laughs> um, have you used any specific strategies which you have helped, which you think have helped drive you forward over your long career? Um, it's a good question. Not really. I guess I'm I'm naturally always quite um, a person that likes to plan. I like to have a plan. Like to plan ahead. Um, and I guess just learning from my mistakes. So when things have gone well, I kind of after every competition every year whatever just assess what have I found helpful what haven't I found helpful and I genuinely really feel like I found a formula like I said it might not work for everyone but I definitely believe that it works for me um and I think just like as well just like listening to you your body listening to yourself and I think because I was questioned on so much of that for so long I still that's probably the thing I still find the hardest is in like just trust you know what you're doing um and when I'm like at home in my home environment like I have a really good relationship with my coach now I don't feel like I'm questioned that much and I can just do what I need to do which is great it's just the national environment still I think they just hold so many bad memories for me I think there and things are changing but it's not a, as comfortable as a home space yet as yeah. I don't know if it ever will be for me um but I think that's probably where like the just the biggest challenges now lie going forwards for me, I guess. Yeah, I, I am aware that you've said a couple of times there's some things that you haven't spoken about that you that you said you'll speak about when you retire. Is that because you're scared of the consequences of speaking out any further? Um, I mean, from everything that I said, I'm glad that, like I say, I'm really proud that I did because of the change that it created. Um, and yeah, I think now as well, I guess there is a bit of that fear factor there. I think people would respect it if I did. I don't think they wouldn't. But at the same time, I also wouldn't want any more noise <laughs> for myself whilst I'm still trying to do this. Because I think, as I said, it's it's still really hard trying to just process and understand what the past few years have been for me. And even before that, like everything Gym Alliance based, like you always, I guess, carried it through like your whole career most of your life and it's really strange for me now to have people that are bothered about it because they weren't bothered about it for so long um and it's only a good thing but it is really difficult as the athlete to be like well now you want to listen understand or now you want me to talk but when I did actually talk you didn't want to hear it you know it's like a really it's a really hard space to be in <laughs> yeah so it's something that you've kind of got in your mind that you're going to deal with when it's the right time and the right place yeah 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 so final question, if you could go back in time to when things were at their toughest, what do you wish you could have told yourself as you were going through those hard times? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. There's, <laughs> there's been so many, but I guess like, I think from anything, I always try and draw the positives as like, what can you learn from it and what can you take from it? Um, and just that it will make you um, stronger and more resilient person I think it does um I say I don't know how I've done a lot of it but I wouldn't have changed a lot of it either because I've just I wouldn't know what I know now yeah thank you thank you so much Becky I I am honestly astounded by your drive determination and unbelievable resilience 
And I do think that this chat will inspire so many of our listeners. And I am sure I am not the only one supporting you towards Paris 2024 Olympics um, because you you fully deserve to win that elusive Olympic medal. (laughs) So thanks so much, Becky. Thank you. Thank you for having me.